Welcome to the Probate Mastermind Podcast. These episodes are recorded live once a week and are hosted by the AllTheLeads.com coaches. Agents, investors, and wholesalers join the coaches for everything from marketing tips, sales psychology, live deal analysis, transaction engineering, advanced real estate strategy, and personal development. You will learn to get more listings, more deals, and find financial freedom by listening to these episodes. Be sure to catch show notes at alltheleads.com slash podcast and join our free Facebook mastermind community, All The Leads Mastermind. Welcome to all of our industrious agents and investors nationwide. Today is March 11th, 2021, and this is Mastermind Podcast number 318. We had a little technical glitch today. My internet went down two minutes ago, so Tim is very capably managing the board. And uh, other than that, we will continue as normal. I do want to remind you all that we do have a win of the week program. If you have taken a listing, signed a contract, something positive that's happened with probate, it does require that it's an actual signed deal. Just let us know, and our winner of the week will receive either a free month historical leads or $100 off your next set of leads. And we, we want everything. This call is an open forum, guys. We want your, obviously, your successes. We want your struggles. Anything you need help with, that's what we're here for. And we always say try to get in the queue early because we do r- try to keep this call right at one hour. Secondly, this week, I had two other things. As you all know, we rolled out Probate Plus months ago. We've got well over 100 of you that are taking advantage of it, and we keep getting, not a lot, but several times a week we keep getting asked the same question. So I wanted to have Tim just take a minute and explain. And just like the phone numbers, guys, getting phone numbers is an art, it's not a science. It's the same thing with Probate Plus. It's not 100%. It's extremely accurate, but you are going to have false positives. And I wanted Tim to just take a minute and address what to do if you have the false positives and, and why they occur. Tim? Yep. The real issue is real simple, that we've got and we've written a number of routines in our... It's probably helpful just to talk about the whole process. So when we start off with the data that we have and start collecting information to put it in, we get the raw data that contains the docket information, personal representative, the decedent's name, and the attorney. And that's just where we start. At that point, I think at last count, we pass that through I think 17 different processes before that data gets to you, and each one of those augments or modifies that data. And that is everything from making sure that all of the addresses for the street addresses are valid and mailable addresses. We run it through multiple places to get good uh, contact phone numbers for you. We make sure that everything is deliverable that formatting is correct. We add all that sort of data to it. Then we pass it through a couple of other filters. And then if you have uh, Probate Plus, then we go out and we run against a national MLS and tax database to find properties not only in the local marketplace, but in the any place in the country that the decedent might have owned property and try to bring back that data as well. Now, you might imagine that the challenge with that is that oftentimes there are commonalities in names across the country. My name is a somewhat unusual name, and there, I, I did not know of another Tim Yandel until I moved to Florida and found out there's indeed another Tim Yandel, and he lives here in Florida. But certainly an even more common last name 
we're going to turn up a lot of properties. And so we then try to backtrack with our algorithms to find street address to tie it back to the decedent and all that. We'll do the best job we can filtering out false positives. Where we typically run into a challenge is where a person's last known address is in assisted living and in particular in an assisted living facility where some of them uh, today, you actually are, are signing a lease. So you have, it appears technically you have, you may even have ownership in the property and it'll return everybody in the assisted living facilities address as owned property because it shows it in common. Those are proving more and more difficult to filter out because of the way they get reported from a tax roll standpoint. And we're doing the best job we can to, to accomplish that. The other thing is that we may turn up a property here and there that has a, has the same last name and a similar street address. And we do some what's called fuzzy logic to try and get as much as we can. So we err on the side of giving you more and the answer to Jim's question that he's raised is if you determine that you've got someone on your list that we gave you back and you try to run down that property and you do your due diligence to try to find them and you mail them or you call them and you find that they're not related to the decedent at all, then don't worry about it. It is going to happen. And we definitely try to make sure that we give you back at least 80% good numbers and all of that. If you run into a higher number of that, then that, please let us know, and we'll do whatever we need to do to make everything squared away for you. But so far, we've really not run into that yet. We've not really had any real problems with it. We've been doing Probate Plus now for uh, quite a few months, and everybody's very happy with it. It has helped people control their marketing costs and allowed them to spend the same dollars they were spending on marketing, but focus it more on doing more contacts to the people that do have property, and people are getting better deals, better conversations, all that out of it. But don't let the uh, false positives bother you. It's not a big deal to do that, and you're going to get some. So just be aware that's the way it is, and that's how it works. Hey, Jimmy? That got me, buddy. Thank you. Great explanation. And I guess this is Newsweek, because uh, how many do we have in the queue, Tim? Uh, we have four. Go ahead. Okay. One other thing I wanted to mention. Bruce, I wanted you to just real briefly again give an update on the Foundations program. As most of we rolled out the Foundations training, and, and I have to tell you, I haven't shared this with Bruce yet, but I was a paid coach for 10 years, and people were paying $1,000 a month to the guy I coached for. And what Bruce is doing for free is as good or better than anything I've seen over the years. It, it's a phenomenal program. If you're a subscriber, you should be taking care of it, taking advantage of it. It's free. And if you're not a subscriber, we are going to offer it to non-subs for a very small fee probably starting in a month or so. And Bruce, you want to just give them a real quick recap on what's going on and how to get uh, involved with foundations? Absolutely. Yep. We've had a few um, technical glitches. Tim jokingly told me privately that I, I needed a 12-year-old to help me figure out the technology a few days ago. But, oh, okay, or Jim. So we, we're basically giving you guys everything that you need to be successful inside of this Foundations class. They're a couple of hours long. We're offering them basically weekly on Wednesdays. There's really two different formats. It's either, it's either a Foundations lecture-style format for a couple of hours where I 
sit on Zoom with you guys, answer your questions, but really the focus of that is teaching you the, the foundational principles that I believe through, from past experience and from coaching a lot of successful subscribers of ours, what it's going to take to be successful. That class is about two hours long. If you haven't gotten in, or even if you have joined us on one of those, but you want to take it again, please sign up. You can do so on the portal by, if you're a subscriber, by clicking the, the training drop down and going to conference calls and archives. On the alternating weeks, so the, the second and fourth Wednesday every month, at 1 o'clock Eastern time, we're doing role play. And instead of doing a role play call like you guys may have heard on the, on the podcast, we're taking it in bite-sized chunks. And we're teaching the principles of a really good USP. Okay, you're writing, you're taking notes, you're writing things down, you're crafting your own USP, and then we're kicking you guys over into small breakout groups where each person gets a chance to practice their USP. So instead of getting intimidated by thinking that you have to be a master at your entire script, you're really learning the, the bite-sized chunks or the bite-sized principles that you can then practice for five, ten minutes, and then you have it down. And if you want to come back to that uh, role play call multiple times, we welcome you back. So that's really what we're doing, and we're trying really hard to add value at every corner. There's more coming along. I can't really talk about that more yet because it's still being built. And we're also still trying to perfect founda the foundations classes that are on Wednesdays. So if you uh, maybe weren't able to get in on those, please keep coming back. It's You haven't missed out yet, uh, and you won't miss out because you're going to be able to take these things multiple times. Excellent. That's all the news that's fit to print. Tim, why don't we go to our first caller? All right, we'll do that. Our first caller ends in 6248, a familiar face and voice. Joyce. Good morning to all of you. It's Joyce Arnson Morris in Orange County, California, and I am dumped. I, I have a property lead, and the, the owner's husband and wife, the husband has passed away, and the wife has been estranged from the husband and is in another state and has advanced Alzheimer's. Her sons will not entertain any discussion with the deceased husband's children to come to any conclusion on selling the property. And the attorney for the deceased husband is, is of course, not willing to talk to me. And I'm just trying to wonder, is there anything that I'm not doing that I should do to help them resolve this? Because it seems almost unresolvable to me. Grace, quick question. Who is your point of contact? Who are you talking to get all this information? One of the sons of the deceased father. Okay. Is it your opinion that, obviously there's going to be multiple heirs, but are you getting the opinion that, although they're not talking to each other, that they most or all of them would like to sell the property? Certainly for the sons of the deceased father, but I can't get any responses from the sons of the of the wife that had advanced that has advanced Alzheimer's. Do you know if there's a will? Nobody seems to know. Okay. Bruce, any <laughs> suggestions for Tim? <laughs> Let me just ask one question. Did the attorney has have you had any conversation with the attorney at all, Joyce? I've called her twice and she is unwilling to talk to me. Okay. Did she say that? And who is the, the attorney told me that, yes. Is there a personal representative that's been appointed? 
nothing has there's been no probate or anything filed because nobody knows what to do with the with a standoff between the deceased husband and absent Alzheimer's ridden mother or wife. So how did you find out about this property? It's in our leads. And there's no PR. No PR. The probate was filed. Somebody filed a probate. If, if there's no personal representative, there is an attorney in the leads, correct? Is that the attorney that won't talk to you? Yes. And well, that attorney, that... you Joyce, you mentioned that the attorney was the attorney for the decedent, correct? Or is this what? the attorney that, okay, there should be, depending on how the title in the house was taken, if it's joint tenancy with right of survivorship, then all of that these is sons, it is. is it? Okay. And I'm assuming the wife has the right of survivorship, correct? Okay. All of these sons are technically likely not the heirs. It's the wife with advanced Alzheimer's and most likely she should have a guardianship attorney. Now, the sons are going to have a say in it, but to me, the, who, the, the attorney that opened probate, who's he working for? He should be working for the heir, which sounds like the, the, the wife with advanced Alzheimer's. And this sounds an awful lot like a guardianship case to me. I almost feel like there's an attorney involved that might not really be working for the heir. Because why, why would the attorney? Yeah, why would the attorney for the deceased be involved in probate when the heir doesn't have anything to do with that attorney? Hey Joyce, I'm in your leads right now, and I want you to continue talking. But real quick, what's the last the last name of the deceased? Jackson. Jackson, you said. Okay, go ahead, Bruce. Okay. Now, I, I think now it's the the children of the of the deceased that you're speaking with, and the children of the the wife who has Alzheimer's. They don't want to talk to you. Is that correct? That's okay. It, it's it should really be the the wife and the wife's attorney, and most likely the wife's attorney should be a guardianship attorney, who's the one that's heavily involved in the probate for this case. Now. Because the attorney isn't communicating with you, for all we know, that might be the case. The attorney might be representing the the surviving spouse. But without them communicating with you, you wouldn't know that they aren't. It just sounds to me, the way you described it, like this attorney is only representing or had only been representing the person that passed away and the kids who probably are not even the heirs. I see that now. I just wanted to... Confirmed that I <clears throat> that my dead end really was literally a dead end. You know what? It's not a. It might be a cul-de-sac or a U-turn. I don't know if it's a dead end because I would certainly. Who knows what's going to happen over the next few months or even longer? I would certainly keep in touch with whoever you're talking to. Just treat it like a sphere of influence. Check in with them occasionally and ask them to let you know when the situation changes. Because we don't know, we don't know, even if they do have a guardianship attorney, we don't know what mom's will says. It might include all the kids. And this, this is probably not going to be a now deal, but it, it has the potential to be a deal down the road. So I think probably all I can think of that you can do right now is just keep in touch with the person that you have contact with on a regular basis. Maybe check with them once a month or something and then ask them to reach out to you if anything changes. I sure will, and thank you guys. I appreciate you validating my thoughts. Okay, good job. Thank you. Tim, who's up uh-huh. next in the queue? All right, ending in 8213, Salvatore. Hey, gentlemen, ben. how are you? Hey, 
Sorry, it was uh, I was muted still. I have two two things. One is an update, yeah, an update regarding last week. So last week I briefly mentioned to you guys that I had reached out to a PR that didn't have an attorney and who initially gave me an appointment and then just disappeared. You guys, I reached out and did what you guys suggested, which was if she didn't answer, just leaving her a voicemail, saying something along the lines, I may have pushed you too hard and just wanted to call to remind you that there's no pressure. She did end up picking up and I used that line on her as well. And much to my surprise, she said, you actually didn't push me at all. I'm just really confused and I don't know what to do. So I appreciate the call. And, and so from there, I just went on with the call with the other suggestion you had given which was to remind her that just so that we're on the same page when we're going to meet, we're just going to do a quick walkthrough, make a list of things that she could be doing and in what order. And, you know, that I'm not asking her to sign anything and I'm not trying to pressure her into a sale. So those were all suggestions from you guys that worked wonders. So I guess the win for now is that I officially have an appointment with her. Yeah. So that's awesome. Um, I do want I wanted to thank you guys for that the advice and and wanted to let you know that it really it worked wonders. So thank you for that. Oh, you're very welcome. Um, By the way, our our advice is always guaranteed to work 100% of the time. I can tell it literally worked wonders. <laughs> Just so, kidding. In case anybody's listening, if you lawyer on the phone, go and, ahead. You had a second part to the question. Yeah, the part was what was an update regarding another PR that I actually reached out to originally in. When was it? In October. And she she lives in Florida. The property's here in California. I've been in front of her. We spoke numerous times. She said, hey, look, uh, I'm going to come to California over the holidays, aka Christmas, Thanksgiving, Christmas. And once I come to, to California, we can meet and then we can discuss how to move forward with the property, all that stuff. I made sure to stay in front of her with calls, actual phone calls where we actually spoke and then sent her Thanksgiving card, holiday card, New Year's card, followed up with her again in January, said, I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. And then finally, I followed up with her yesterday. And she says, oh, I'm just, I appreciate the call. I went with uh, a realtor that my attorney suggested, but thanks for the follow-up. So I'm just trying to Obviously, whatever it's behind me, I'm just trying to think moving forward, is there anything that I should do different or do I maybe, I don't know, do I call the attorney, not about that property, but saying, hey, I, I'm, I know you're working with and just let them know. Or obviously, instead of just calling the attorney and saying, give me business, as you guys suggested in the past, just say, see how we can work together, maybe offer something that would be value to them and then as I think Bruce mentioned about a month ago or so, just say I'm putting together a checklist and maybe give them a checklist with an item missing on purpose so that they feel that it's them giving me the advice and not the other way around. I'm just trying to figure out what you guys think, because I think I was pretty sure. on top of this PR and it's okay. Things happen. Sometimes they listen to the, to the attorney, but perhaps maybe there's an additional step that I could take moving forward to maybe have that happen less often. And how, real quick, how often did you call her? Did you keep in touch with her? I called her. I reached out to her originally, I believe, in October. And then I called her, I believe, every two to three weeks. And every time, okay. and between those calls, I would send a, a handwritten card or, for example, Happy Thanksgiving and then Happy Holidays and then Happy New Year, like things like that, just to sure. make sure that if it wasn't my voice, 
It was one of the blue cards, handwritten cards, and not asking for business, but just more a holiday greeting, and then ready for you whenever if you need any help, blah, 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 or... Yeah, that yep. sounds pretty pretty diligent to me. I, the, I was going to say the only thing I could think of is maybe reach out to her more often, because often it's a person that reaches someone after they first, after they make the decision they're ready to do something. But every two or three weeks in that situation combined with the cards, it sounds like you probably did everything you could. Bruce, anything okay. you could have done better? You gotta, I'm going to make a suggestion. History shows us that... Hello? Bruce, did I just lost. mute? Did I just mute yeah. out for some reason? I don't know why. Yep. I think Tim muted me out or something. So <laughs> history shows us that whoever has the first substantive conversation with a real estate conversation is normally the person that's going to get the business. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if you're an investor, it might be a little different if your numbers just aren't good enough. But we need to have a substantive real estate conversation with people earlier rather than later. And what you're doing is something that I've been guilty of doing for many years with many different people. Sometimes you are fighting to just keep a relationship alive, even if that means passively. And it's better than ignoring them and not following up. But I'll tell you, you've got to find a way to do a, have a conversation. So what I would do is drive by a property like that, take a couple of pictures, get a, get just an idea, at least from the street view, at minimum, get an yeah. idea of what the value range is going to be. You're not going to be able to see the inside. Put it on a single sheet of paper and say, hey, send it to them in a FedEx envelope and say, I know you're not ready to sell. I know you're coming out here. This isn't pressure, but this is what I think I could get you. If this is in line with what you're thinking or if there's anything extra that I need to know, please call me back or have that ready when I call you in a few days. And that way you've got real live numbers in front of their face that they can look at. Because a lot of times that person that is not ready to think about real estate, they're not ready. Once they see numbers, then they get ready. So you need to shortcut that that process that that she's going through by putting not an offer, but an estimate in front of her. Yeah. So these are the the steps. I'm actually going to do that. I actually love that because, yes, I think it it completely stands out from just the standard calls. The order that I took, I've taken it in was end of October. I'd spoken with her. She said she's in, you know, Miami and that she had an appointment in about a month or two for the letters of testamentary. And she had communicated that she would need the services longer down the road. And she was okay with me following up. That was October 27. Then about a week ish. So I, and then I also communicated the vacant home insurance policy, which she said she didn't have. So I put her in touch with the insurance specialist, but she told me that she didn't answer. So I followed up with her uh, about a week later and she said, okay, she'll do it. And she probably would have the attorney look into it. And then she said, look, I'm going to be coming to LA towards the end of the year. So then I spoke to her again about three weeks later, right around Thanksgiving. And she said she received my letter and that she's holding on to them and she should be in L.A. about two or three weeks later. So then I followed up with her again towards mid-December. Yeah. Everything that you're doing is awesome, man. But I'll tell you, it's proven time and time again to get the result that you just got. Occasionally. There's a decent percentage of the time when the person's telling you the truth and they have every intention to meet you and an attorney 
shortcuts you. They cut you off at the knees. Yeah. Or another yeah, agent right. slips in there. You've got to find a way to put proposals in front of people and have a real estate conversation. And if that means that you have to send them a single-page letter of intent style offer or ballpark of what you'd get, like their net, then do it. Just anything that you can do to have that real estate conversation with them, or at least at least get them thinking about the real estate, because she was either unintentionally kicking the can down the road and someone was more aggressive, or she was intentionally putting you off, knowing okay. that she was talking to someone else. And I don't know which one it was, oh, but you true. could get through that by by sending her just a letter that says, this is what I think I could get you. Love here's that. a range. So, okay, yeah. here's a range. Yeah, I love that. And when oh, I call so you, you again, I'm going to ask you about to... the condition so that we can confirm uh -huh. or verify these numbers. Got it. Okay, so on that letter, you just give a range of obviously not knowing because you don't know what the interior looks like. And then, mm -hmm. okay, so then that forces the call. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, yeah. And perfect. I would I'll not send that. that in a normal envelope. I'd put it in something <clears throat> official because you want to make sure that they open it up. Got Yeah, okay. Sounds good. Perfect. I'll do that. Thank you so much, guys. All right. All right. Thank awesome. you. Tim? Yep. Next up is Eric, ending in 3745. Hey, guys. How are you doing today? Good, bud. Great. Perfect. So I'm more so on the investor side of buying probates. I really don't pursue much of anything, although my team is licensed and we can list a lot of properties. We don't, we just don't have much interest, but we fully follow what you guys are doing regarding providing value, being a, a team of resources that can help relieve the burden. I've noticed when I'm going on appointments to just about every probate I've been going to, the number one thing I hear from people that I just don't know how to respond to, like I give them my whole spiel about how we come up with our price or our, our offers. Everybody tells me this is what I need to get out of this estate. But I, I kindly try to explain to them that's not how the marketplace works. You don't take your problems and your needs to the market and say, we need a hundred grand to make this go away. And I, I, I think these people almost get together and have this conversation in, in, in just across the board. It seems to be the experience that I've had. And I just try to back them down and say, listen, from my perspective, I want to get you the absolute top dollar that I can pay you. I'm putting my best foot forward. I'm not trying to lowball or steal anything. There is full transparent offering. Here is, and then I just walk them through the process and I start by saying, what do you guys think this house sells for when it looks like the homes on HGTV? And we come up with a price that we all agree upon. And then I say, what do you guys think it takes to get there? We stumble upon a price that's relatively close. And then I say, how much do you think you should sell the property for? And again, they might say the property's worth 200000 when it's completely done. It's probably going to take 50000 to get there. We're asking one sixty-five. And I'm like, what am I doing here? Why did I even show up today? The reason why I don't say that on the phone call is because I recognize that getting face-to-face -face is just so crucial. It always has been for me. I've always been a face-to-face, -face, lets me provide that value, show that I'm interested. Every single appointment I go on, even my non-probates, it seems like they are all like, this is what I need. If you're not this guy, keep it moving. How do I object to that? There's some people that you'll just walk away from. There are some people that won't Correct. be realistic. There are other yes. people that are giving you a number, and what they're doing is they're really setting an anchor uh, because they're thinking 
okay, we've got we've to hit first. There's a strategy to hitting first and setting an anchor because you take that other person, you in this case, uh, and put them back on their heels. And suddenly that offer that you were going to give for 100000 becomes 120 out of the gate because they hit yes. you first with their unrealistic expectations. So you need to be uh, conscious of the fact that some people are doing it on purpose. They don't really think that they're going to get 165. They just want to tell you so that you change your approach. So okay. that would be first. The second thing that I would do when I lay out comps for someone, and this is more on a listing appointment, but I think it really works um, if you're meeting with someone as an investor as well, you lay out the comparables. You just take the, if you guys are also licensed, you take the MLS sheets, put them on the paper, uh, on the table in front of the person and say, based on these, where do you think we need to be? And they yes. um, give you a number. And if it's not right, scrunch your face up, get a curious look and go, okay, I'm not 100% sure that I'm coming up with the same thing. Help me justify this here and get them to start justifying to you. And a lot of times they'll just come out and say, I, I can't justify it. I've had it happen yeah. dozens or hundreds, really hundreds of times where someone, they hit me with a number and then they said, I can't justify that. When I asked, the, when I asked them where they came up with that or, how, or to help me justify it, I'll realize that they never had justification. They had an emotion and just asking them to justify it will all of a sudden change their mind without me having to fight them. So I'm a, I've always considered myself a problem solver versus a salesperson. So many times when I hand them comps and I say, you're ultimately looking for Waldo to try to get that max dollar that your barber told you the home should sell for. I've, I, I've never had an issue telling people that I'm having a hard time supporting that number and here are the comps that you can review. And most people, I'll be honest, I experienced that most people generally get their number. It's just... If it's clean and outdated, they're still getting it relatively quickly because they're essentially just wearing the market out. The market's like, this is all that's available. The good renovated homes are selling quickly for top dollar. The ones that are clean but not renovated are still selling for just under, but it might take three months for them to get there. So I'm not struggling. The only answer that I've been able to come up with is I'm not going after properties that would like absolutely be only for an investor. There's no way a homeowner is buying this. Nobody's moving into this place until these updates are made. And unfortunately, there's just not a lot of those on the market. When it's occurring to me that essentially an investor is not really needed in today's market, and I'm having to bite that bullet slowly or softly, I should say. It's funny. You made a comment that I was going to make. I was going to say you're either in a red hot market and everybody knows it, or you're, you may be wearing, whether you're mean to or not, you might be wearing your investor hat more than you think. So there, there very well may be a Facebook group for sellers where they all get together and practice investor <laughs> objections. Just the fact that you're, you're getting it on every single deal kind of tells me that you might just have your investor hat on a little more than the realtor hat, so they might be a little more defensive than they would otherwise be. And do you ever ask them on the phone, okay, I'll see you Thursday at four, and obviously I'm going to do all my homework and give you a good idea what, you know, you can expect to get out of the house. But I'm just curious, do, do you have a number in mind? You'd be surprised. A lot of them we, will tell you. Do you do that already? Yes, we I, we do vet the calls before okay. we get to that point. And generally, they all start at the top of the market. We're just expecting that. And that's where everybody's at. There's no need for them to start at a low point. And so many times, I'm like, that pretty much, I want to just believe that's all I need to know. Let's just save myself the time of going on the appointment. But I've never really been a one-hit wonder type of person. It's always been meet them today, follow up next week, 
add value the following week, let them realize that it's going to take them a lot longer to get the number that they want. And I'm the easy button that can get them a check this Friday. And those gaps are just spacing out a lot more than they have since 2012. So it's, it's just been challenging. One other thing I was going to say, in most markets today, just generally 90% of these are realtor leads and 10% are investors. In the hot markets, it might be 95.5. In your market, it might be 98.2. But there are still yes. deals there. There still are still deals there where they have enough compelling urgency, and you can identify that in your initial conversation, that they don't have the option to list. Until the market deteriorates, you might just have to settle for uh, buying and flipping that 2% and go ahead and get the other ones listed. I'm sure you realize a lot of times people that list three, four, and five months down the road, the urgency might occur and they might start out as a listing and turn into a buy and flip for you. So don't uh, take the listings. Don't turn them down. That's what I'm saying. I've actually learned. Are there more queues that are available? Or we're, that we're, are coming up? we got a few more in the queue, but go okay. ahead. Yeah. So I've actually learned to take my buyer hat off relatively quickly in the conversation and say, it doesn't sound like my $100,000 offer is going to work if you're asking one, 150 or 135 whatever the number may be. And I let them know that I've got, so I've began doing marketing for the people that are looking for either the wholesale or the retail and able to pay cash because those people are the most motivated people of any market and they are frustrated competing on the market with everybody else. So now I've got about a half, now I've got about a half dozen people that when they find the right house, they will strike on it. So I've learned to take my hat off very quickly in the conversation and say, it doesn't look like this is going to work for me, but I think I've got a way that I can get you your number and then my buyer will pay me a commission. So I'm still essentially assigning it or wholesaling, whatever you want to call it, but I'm just doing it to the end user. And it's still a little bit of a challenge. These people like, you know what, I think I'd rather give it to my realtor and have them put it on for absolute top dollar. I do think that what you said really hit it on the head that I'm just wearing that investor hat too hard. And I think I still need to just go into that appointment as more of a service minded person than going from the phone call where we talk about helping them with the contents and relieve them of their burden and give them the magic wand. And then when I show up, everything is about the home at this point. So I I can definitely agree that I need to step back, be a little bit more ears, less mouth, and to find out what it is they're looking to accomplish and just see if I can continue to play a role in it. But as a buyer, it's gotten very tough. Sure. And Um, remember, if if they're going to list it with another realtor at at or above market, let it be you. And you can always work the price on it and it may turn into a deal down the road. And I I know, Bruce, I think you – go ahead. I'm sorry. I interrupted you, sir. Yeah, sorry, guys. I'm kind of busting here. (laughs) Sure. Being able to present a uh, listing option, and I know that's not your primary approach, but being able to present a listing option and then throwing some caveats in there. So you might look at them and say, look, if we listed it, I think that my offer is 150 but if we listed it, I think we might be able to, to net you 190 But here's a list of 10 things that you're going to need to do to get this house ready for the market. And don't name any prices. Just give them a list of things that you would like them to do to have the house ready. And let their imagination okay. run wild on the time and money, that, time, money, and energy that it's going to take to do that. I wouldn't name prices. I'd give them, the high, I'd give them a higher um, net value by listing. 
and then let them self-select out of the listing option. And if they select into the listing option, no big deal, you kick it to your team. But if not, then uh, they're looking at all those repairs that you're going to ask them to make. And it doesn't have to be extensive, but they always overestimate uh, the amount of time, money, and energy that's going to go into updating and making repairs and perfecting the house before a listing. I know buyers do, sellers especially do. Uh, they $2,500 paint job, and they think it's going to cost ten grand. I hope yeah. that helps. I'll... Tim is bursting at the seams. Let me know we got a full queue. So, hopefully, <laughs> okay. if you need to, if you need to discuss it a little bit more, give us a call back after the call. We'll talk to you about it directly. Thank you guys so much. You rock. I appreciate right. you guys. Yeah, that's great. And we've got we have three more in the queue, and we got about another fifteen minutes. And want to make sure we get to them all. If you do want to get in the queue, we're getting ready to close it down. Star six and one. Get in the queue, otherwise we're going to close it down. And our next person up is Eloise seven three six nine. This is Blake. No, this, is, this is not Eloise. No, that, that's what that, it that, says. We'll take you yeah, instead. For sure. No, that's the right name on the account, but it is Blake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good to be here. First time on the live call. But I I wanted to get a little bit of feedback on how I am helping out PR here in Will County. So long story short. She had a, a realtor in mind from the beginning, but she was frustrated with her attorney. And so my approach has been to add some value over the past week and a half as far. And the way I did that was read more of the local probate code here in Illinois, as well as the universal probate code to brush her up on the procedure as far as because the PR was so frustrated with her attorney to the point where she was considering firing him. But she didn't really know the steps to, to eventually close the probate. I had about a 30-minute call with her today, outlined what she should expect. She got the letters of office just the past couple of days. I mean, I let her know our, the timeframes in our state for when this big problem with her will, will be going away. But then, of course, she still has the family friend realtor who is, is in the front seat. She had mentioned that over the next week or so, the realtor's supposed to come out to the house and maybe take pictures and get ready to sign the listing agreement or, or put it on MLS. I'm not sure where they are in that process. But I just want to get some feedback as far as how I can still add value and not seem too aggressive to you know, replace who she has in mind for the listing. Are you you're a realtor or an investor? Both. Realtor? Both. Okay. All right. So the you're going to have to get aggressive. And we want to do it diplomatically, but we're in this to feed our families. And I know that we're also in it to serve others, but we're serving others and that's how we make our living. And so, yes, you can offer value. Yes, you want to be uh, altruistic, but you're probably going to need to go ahead and say to her, look, if I hate to ask it so bluntly like this, but if I were able to do 10 times the amount of work for you and help you get a better deal than the realtor that you had selected, would you consider going with me? And if she says no, move on. But I would ask a really direct question like that. If I could, that would you. And see if it's a yes. And my bet is that she would probably say yes. So what you're going to do is you need to make your if you could and then that dot, 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 you need to make it really appealing. So if I could do 10 times more than the other agent for you and also get you a better deal when you sell, would you consider going with me instead? Okay. And then if it's a yes, you better be able to back it up. So think about what that service is going to be. You're either going to back it up by giving a better commission, which I 
don't always love training or coaching people to do, but you're either going to back it up by giving a better commission or you're going to back it up by giving uh, a massively better service than somebody that puts a sign in the yard, puts it in the MLS, and then prays for a buyer. Is this other person just a realtor that they found, or is it like a friend of the family? Do you know? It's like a, it's like a, an acquaintance, a family friend. Okay, along the same lines of what Bruce said, this is this. If you have to couch it properly, it can sound pretty blunt. But say, hey, I may be out of bounds here. I don't know the other agent. She may be great, but are you looking to do a friend a favor or do what's best for your family? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and she may be able to, to to do what's best. But if I could show you where I can get you a lot more money, or you could even say, I'm just curious, is she? A probate specialist, you know how many probates she's done, and then go into, because I specialize in it, I've got a certification, and I've done a bunch of them, or whatever your track record is. But yeah, I, along the lines of what Bruce said, at, at some point, you got to be a little blunt or you aren't going to get anywhere. And if you're not going to get the deal anyway, really, what do you have to lose? Okay. Yep. One other thing real quickly, if, if that's not against the rules here, I know we're, we're running. No, rules. No rules, just right. <laughs> yes, love it. <laughs> I want to get some feedback on how I handled this situation and how I can maybe turn it around a little bit or just get, get back in, get back into the, to the communication with the PR. But anyway, this PR, I called them, gave them my kind of USP that I've developed from listening and, and engaging in the content. And I know that with more that a more seasoned me will be able to, to steer this directly into showing up at the property. But basically the PR response to me was, I don't believe actually need to do to actually go through probate. And from there, I from there I pivoted into some of our other spokes on the wheel as far as listing. He had seen the letter that I sent him, so I briefly went through some of the options that the letter talks about. One of them was the estate sale company. He mentioned that later on, maybe this year, he might be interested in doing the estate sales. And I said, okay, when you find my letter, you'll have my number, and you have it now. So just you know, give me a call when you when that time is. And he said, yeah, that's, that's probably what I'll end up doing. So I want to want your feedback on what you would do in that scenario. So the person says that they didn't think that they needed to go through probate may or may not be correct. We yeah. don't know. Yeah. And we just tell them, look, we, we talk about probate mainly because most of our clients are going through probate. Whether you are or not, your process of um, settling out an estate is still slightly comparable, at least from my perspective. You'll, If you don't go through probate, you're going to skip some of the legal and the, the accounting aspects of things, but you're still going to have to do the same thing. You still have a house that you're having to take care of. You still have uh, personal property you have to sell, donate, keep, clean out, things like that. You still have real estate that you're going to need to sell. Am I correct with any of that? And get a yes, get an affirmative, and then say, in a perfect world, what's your timing for that? And get them to lay out their timing. If they say they don't know, go, hey, I get it. No problem. I'm imagining you probably have several other people involved in deciding that anyway, don't you? Okay. So that statement does not need to be correct. You just want to kind of make the statement and give them an opportunity to affirm that or correct you. At least that way you're gathering some information along the way. And then if they really don't know, I'm going to, I want to get to the bottom of whether they're just putting me off or they don't know. So if they're just putting me off, I'm going to re-ask the question. I'm going to say, I know you don't know, but if you did know, when do you think that would be? When would you like to have the house sold? And if they give you the same answer again, like I said, I don't know, it's the truth. But a lot of times rephrasing or recouching that same question is going to get the, get a different answer out of them. They're going to really tell you what their timing is. 
And then, um, as I mentioned to someone on the call earlier, maybe you drive by the house, you put a single letter together with a couple of numbers on it, you drop it in a FedEx envelope or something that's a larger size, and you send it to them and say, hey, this is what I think I could get you. Let me know when you're ready to talk. Quick question for you. Is this a lead you got from us? No, actually. Okay. Obviously, if the lead came from us, they do. Somebody thought they had to go through probate, or it wouldn't have been filed. The, the yeah. probate, I mean, it comes straight from the probate docket, so I mean, it, it probably would have been. It probably is in your lead batch. I don't know. Generally, the only reason someone doesn't have to go through probate is if they meet the small state exemption. In a lot of states, right. if your assets are less than a hundred thousand, you can avoid probate, or if you have a living trust. Everybody should be able to avoid probate, but 95% of people don't. So the odds are pretty safe in assuming that it probably is going to have to go through probate. And otherwise, Bruce gave you some great advice. Does that help? Okay, guys, we've got two, got two more in the queue. Let's hop on right. there and uh, keep on rolling and keep get her done. Thanks, Next Blake. one is ending in 6878. How you doing? Great. My, my question is basically, I like the previous guy that just spoke about being direct with your sellers because what I noticed is that a lot of people teach us to give, 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 but what about the buyer? And it's like reciprocity. I give to you and you give to me because if we're constantly giving, giving, they're just taking our information and I noticed that as well and then shop it with the competitors and other real estate agents and forget all about you. So in situations like that, how are we supposed to approach it instead of just constantly giving as if a giver? So you couch the giving, you gate, let's call it this, you gate your giving behind an appointment. So you talk about, if you're prospecting, you talk about the results that you're going to give them, that you're going to get them. You don't necessarily give all of the how and the details. You talk about the results. And and you make your claim. You need to be able to back it up. But whatever it is, hey, I'm going to take. Uh, I'm going to do ten times more than anyone else. I'm going to get you more money than anybody else. Whatever it is, and I'd love to show you how. Do you think we could meet? And then when you meet, that's when you give. And if you end up giving and not receiving anything, that's fine. We definitely want to give more than we get. My but, question uh, is. I don't understand that part where you're constantly giving and you don't get back. You get what I'm saying? Sometimes it happens. Yeah, sometimes it happens. I know it's it fundamental. happens when they change their mind. So what I realized, you need to find all that out before, like the way you mentioned it and explained it to the previous callers. Listen, you're not here to just sit here to waste your time. Hey, suppose I'm able to give you X, Y, and Z. Would we be able to do a deal today? Would we be able to sign the contract let you know I'm your I'm going to be your realtor. If anything comes up, I'll make sure you get the, the most money as possible. Will you be able to fill out the paperwork today? Is that going to be a yes or is it going to be a no? Now you get to realize, okay, this person want to deal with me. She doesn't want. But there's times that sellers will ring you along, ring say yes, and then move on with somebody else at the end of the road. And that's what actually bothers me and a lot of people probably that's on the call. How could we really tell if the person is really going to do business with us, not wasting our time, and just giving for no reason. Most of it is you just got to get in front of them. You, If you can get to the appointment by offering results, you're probably going to get the business if you can get to the appointment. Instead of giving everything away on the phone, work on giving it away when you're face-to-face because you'll typically get the business if you give after you're face-to-face. And I know we okay. have one more in the queue, but I just wanted to share with you a qualifying question. 
I used to teach at my previous coaching company, and uh, we'd set the appointment, and then the day before, several hours for the appointment, you'd call back and say, just want to remind you, I'm coming out today at 2, and I'm just wondering if you're happy with what I have to say today, and you believe I can sell your house, are you planning on listening with me today? And just shut up. And some of the people will say, and you don't have to get a yes to go out there. But if you get a yes, that certainly makes your listening session a lot easier. But what do you mean if you would set up an appointment? It's sometimes... Qualify the appointment before you go and just ask okay. them. If you're happy okay, with what, what I have I to say today, are you planning on... you could be wasting your time even if you set up the appointment. You don't well, you've got to get a firm yes. You're either going to get a, a very seldom... I, I had a guy say to me one time, I wouldn't have you coming over if I wasn't. That was a really easy listing appointment. And I've had people say... Oh, no, we can't sell it till Johnny graduates high school in September. That's probably a go later. Most of them are going to be in between. But just set that expectation that that is one of the objectives and go and buy and try to get an answer. They don't have to say yes, but it's just if you feel more comfortable qualifying it, that's a good question to ask before you go. Okay, that real fast, I know we have one more. I I know we have one more. Sure. We just should hone down in, like, better sales training skills, find you a better person that can actually teach you how to sell. So I feel like we should not be wasting our time back and forth. We know what type of person we're dealing with. If we're going to move forward, let's move forward. If we're not going to move forward, yep. most likely I just follow with you from time to time in case things changes. How you feel about I that? I just sign up for the foundations training and you can role play these things with Bruce. You want to make a yeah, And I was just going to say we've got to move on to the last caller, but, but grab some time with me. And I'll work with you on a couple of that. You, there's a balance between giving too much and not giving enough and being just greedy. And you need to be cautious of the mindset of I'm not going to come out and meet with you if you're not going to list with me because that's going to turn a lot of people off. So there is a balance. And I can work with you in the foundations class if you sign up for that. Okay. Let's do right. the last caller, which is four. Two nine three. Hi, thank you so much for your patience and taking my question. I appreciate everything that's been said so far. And my question today is, I'm just starting with the process. I'm very green and very fresh. I don't know too much about probate yet. But one of my concerns is trying to establish a network. And that network will entail having a probate lawyer as well, because that's one of the services that I would like to offer any of the executors that will actually take me as their representative or specialist. Now, what do you recommend in regards to marketing out and doing some outreach to get some probate lawyers to be a part of my network? Yep. We get this question is probably one of the most fundamental and foundational questions that everyone should be asking, and I appreciate you asking that. Number one is leverage your connections that you have with other vendors. Offer to promote their businesses to your list, and then in return, say, look, I'm going to promote you to my to my business, and I'd like you to help me build out my probate team, and I could really use a connection or two with some extra probate and estate planning attorneys. Get their referrals. Have them introduce you directly, either face-to-face, through email, or text. That'll really open up those conversations. And then when, you're fa- when you meet with the attorney, just tell them that this is not a, a one-way street where you're expecting to get a whole bunch of business from them, you want to bring them business. And that what that means to them is that anybody that doesn't have an attorney, you'd like to promote, you'd like to refer them. 
And would that be beneficial? And of course, they're going to say yes. So to get in front of more attorneys, I recommend going the warm introduction route by going to your other team members, promoting their business, and then asking them to be involved in helping you build your team out by connecting you with more attorneys. Okay. Thank you so much. That, offers, that answers my question. Thank you so much. All thank right. You. Great job, everybody. Tim, I'm going to go ahead and close, and then if you would turn off the recording and end the call afterwards. I want to thank each and every one of you for being here today. I want to particularly thank those that actively participated. And you heard a lot of good ideas on today's Hello? I think we, I think we lost Jim. We lost Jim. Tim, you've heard this this closing spiel. Right, Jim's going to tell you to take one idea that you heard, one thought, one one great tip that you heard, put it into practice, and come back next week and tell us all about it and tell us about your win. And with that, we're going to turn the recording off and stop the meeting. Thank you all for being here.